You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. We are back with another... (laughs) (laughs) David, okay, stop, 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 stop. We are back with another art... (laughs) I'm sadly very straight. David, mute yourself. Okay. Okay, thank you. Now I just feel like shit. Welcome to episode 10 of a Life in Ruins podcast. I am your host, Carlton Gover, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Colin Johnnan and David Howe. We are back with another Our Ruined Lives episode. Today, it is just your three favorite cowboys of science talking about contemporary topics in anthropology and archaeology. So uh, real quick, guys, I have a, I have a conversation that I want to start us off on and uh david you had an interesting interesting post recently on ethnosynology regarding horses did you not an interesting host post well post post reply yeah um i made the mistake of saying that uh horses died out in the pleistocene and then were reintroduced by the spanish in the 1500s Um, now uh that's interesting that uh, do you label that as a mistake? How come that was a mistake when we have some decent archaeological evidence that would suggest that they did die out in the Pleistocene, but came back with the introduction of uh, the Spanish horses? Well, I guess to put it bluntly, apparently I'm part of the Western science religious cult that wants to uh, deny an indigenous... Uh, the idea that Native Americans had horses before the arrival of the Spanish and that it was a part of their culture. And I, I guess the way the comment was phrased was that like Western science just wants to shrug things like that under the rug because I'm a white man um, and things like that. And, and, and like to anyone listening, obviously we're going to get into this, but Carlton, do you, what was your next question? So I just wanted to like preface. So this, this whole last, it was like the last couple of days was a whole week that you're doing these horse posts. Um, it's been, I think since, yeah, this, this past week, I'm going to do it more this week too, I think too. So David on his Instagram account, Ethnosynology posted like a series of posts regarding horses. And in one of those posts, he talked about the topic that we just discussed and someone commented, it was regarding, I guess the way it started. Um, so to, to backtrack, I, the, the Instagram account is about the relationship between humans and dogs, but I get at least three to four times a week, no joke, something about do horses, do horses and do cats. I'll eventually do cats. So horses aren't my forte. So therefore I went and researched a bunch of this as much as I could and collaborated with uh, Cassidy Thornhill, who's brilliant uh, from the University of Wyoming. She did her thesis on horses. I posted one about horse evolution and then two about uh, the use of horses as food utility in the ice age and then uh, by humans and then three on domestication. And the first post in which I talked about horse evolution, I explained how horses, um, you know, kind of evolved in, in North America on the Great Plains, uh, left through Beringia into Asia and then populated, you know, Europe and Africa and then I mentioned at the end of that that horses died out in the Americas, and I thought the interesting debate on this would come from the you know the, the overkill debate versus climate, uh, and I kind of left it vague, saying humans arrived in the North America, um, and about that time all the megafauna died out, including horses. 
however, they weren't reintroduced until the 1500s when the Spaniards brought them. And I believe what happened was a, a couple of horses escaped Mexico City or then Tenochtitlan and left and went north, obviously, to the uh, Americans uh, west and the plains. And that's where Native American tribes were had, would have encountered them. Can I, can um, I just it, jump in real quick? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what happened was the Pueblo revolts in New Mexico, when the Pueblo revolts against the Spanish, they let all the horses loose. Okay, so I think there were multiple times where yeah, there's a couple. That was the big one. Was the Pueblos just released all the horses? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the the main the main thing is horses having evolved here in the United States or you know in the North America are completely adapted for this environment. So they quickly took over the plains, and that's why there's this big BLM horse problem now, uh, with because they're just so efficient at living here, whereas cows aren't actually from here, and therefore the horses are kind of destroying the land that the cows eat. That's a whole other debate. But what happened in the comments that you were asking about was somebody had said, what about the idea that Native Americans had horses uh, before the Spanish got here? And I said, and uh, I'm going to be honest, I said, well, there's a people in weird people in some weird camps that think that uh, Native Americans had horses, but there's zero evidence of that. And I, I don't think there's any further research on it. And somebody chimed in, I forget what the name was, about, uh, well, I am I happen to know people in those, quote, weird camps who believe that. And as an indigenous person, um, I, I don't want to misquote what was said, but essentially saying that I was not, I don't know, you, you read the comment, Carlton, is where you can take over. Uh, and as an indigenous person, what, what did you read? So, can, Connor, you you got to read all these, right? Well, I, yeah, I, I did. I did. Uh, I was a, a spectator from uh, from afar. Yeah. So I, I, I guess where, where did this, where did her beef come from? So, so two things happened. Dave, because oh, we're in a group chat together and we, and David sends us like, how do I deal with this? Because it was, it was, you know, outside of. Uh, do David. you just read them? Uh, no, we don't, we don't need to read them verbatim. Okay. I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, so a couple things happened. So like David sent me and Connor a screenshot of the post and was like, how do I deal with this? Because anytime someone claiming indigenous descent or talks about these things, it becomes a completely different conversation. And David asked me to comment because I'm indigenous. Actually, and sh- should, let me just read the very first one. Cause that, that would help kind of set the, this frame unless we don't want to do that. No, just, yeah, read the first one. That should be fine. I would, I would, I would so try the, to keep the name out though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the first comment to my post was not from this person. And it said, I think it's really interesting how much of their history horses was in North America, but all the ones we have here today were brought back over after going extinct, brought back over after going extinct to which I replied, that is truly interesting. And then somebody said to that, is there, uh, is the idea there might have been surviving isolated remnant populations still being explored to which I replied, not that I'm aware of. There's some weird camp of people out there who say archeologists don't want you to know that native Americans always had horses quote, but I think that's just untrue. And then the, the response in question is I think some natives I know, are not weird camps of people's Western... Oh, my Instagram just shut off. Here we go. Uh, Say it again. I think some natives I know are not, quote, weird camps of people's Western science thinks, unquote, it has supremacy over knowledge. And I think of some folks fighting for the truth, I think there is a weird camp of people who think there is only one way of knowing, only one group of people who can know, and that group of people needs a lot of school debt and letters after their names. 
So that was the Colton question, and then there was a whole thread after this. So Carlton, you can take over from now. So David's like, Carlton, can you comment on this? And like, my background is Great Plains archaeology, and I'm, 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 I think I'm an expert at this point in in that area. Wouldn't you guys agree? No. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I don't know enough to say you are not, um, I'm not going to deal in absolutes here, but I would say you know way more than I do. Yeah, and you're studying well, under uh, Dr. Doug Bamforth, who's done a lot of this plains research and who's connected with these people who've done a lot of work there. So it's you come from an academic heritage that knows a lot of stuff about this, for sure. Well, I was hoping you guys to you know spike that ball and say, yeah, of course. But now I well, just feel you like wrote shit. your thesis in it, and if you write your thesis in something, you are technically the expert at that thesis. So yes, I would say so, you are an expert in so, what. Yeah. Yeah. The the article that this commenter was talking about is by Yvette Running Horse Colin. She had a PhD in I think it's in Alaska. No, it's a yeah, it's a thesis PhD, whatever. I'm not sure. It's an indigenous study, so it's not archaeology, anthropology, whatever. But the point of the dissertation is that horses are mentioned in oral traditions prior to contact, therefore. Horses were here before Spanish contact, and there's indigenous oral traditions to talk about them, and that it's it's a really anti-Western science perspective on when horses showed up. I've read this thesis in this PhD. She doesn't know anything about – well, I don't want to say that. Like, she has a different aspect, but she's not looking at the archaeological record. The dissertation is, like, really butting up against Western science perspectives, which is fine. Yeah, I needs to happen periodically. But I, like, I completely agree. Like, yeah. Yeah. The United States has the largest quantity of archaeologists and our archaeological record is one of the most extensively excavated. There are no fucking horses in the archaeological record prior to Spanish contact. Oh, yeah. Right. Sorry. So all three of our moms Sorry, mom. have made comments that we cuss <laughs> too much. So we're trying to tone it down before uh, before they come after us. So there's just no evidence. I am very well aware of Pawnee, Arikara, and Wichita oral histories, and there's no, we use horses as an indicator for contact. Like there, we don't, there are no, my understanding of Plains Indian oral traditions is like none of them talk about horses being here until they, they're in, intrinsically linked with the arrival of Europeans. Like no, no one's claiming this. And that's a problem with some of these thesis and dissertation with like native knowledge, indigenous knowledge. There's over 570 recognized tribes in the United States. They're not all the same. And like, they're just homogenizing these things. So like preface, I, I'm, I'm guilty of that myself, but I, mean, I am too. I am too. But like, yeah. these are these perspectives. I don't know what the, what running horses background is. Like, I don't, I don't know what tribe she's talking about. It's from the university of Alaska Fairbanks. So maybe she's an Alaska tribe, which is everything's fine. So I get on there and I'm like, listen, this is who I am. Let me tell you that there's no evidence for this. And this woman went off on both me and David. She attacked David for saying weird, came after me saying that I have a limited. Yeah, is fair. And I said, I apologize. I should have said fringe. But then she accused me of or this person. I'm not sure what they identify as said that I was speaking for all of Western science, to which I responded very logically saying, I don't actually speak for all of Western science. I just speak for the data that I've read and the data does not support the idea that horses were here, that the data that I read says they died out in the Pleistocene. And then that I think is where it kind of rolled off the, 
Yeah, it just it went on to a rant really quickly. I rebutted. I was like, listen, yes, this is my scope is the Great Plains, but I've studied this and and we looked at her background, this individual's background, and they're like a sustainable farmer and they don't have any real academic knowledge of anthropology or archaeology, which is totally fine. But we were trying to actually like engage with a member of the public and they were not having it in the slightest. And me and David were both like I was showing friends. I was like, am I being an asshole here? I mean, a jerk here. And they were like, no, this person clearly does not want to have a conversation. She just wants to rant and rave. And it's like, okay, sweet. So the reason why I bring this up, because A, it's a fun story. And uh, hopefully it sends more traffic to ethnosynology. Well, it probably will. <laughs> that thing does so well. But like we talk about on this podcast a lot is communicating with the public. And that was one of my first instances online, at least mine, at least, where it was like, how that was the I first one that I've encountered that was like, I was like, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. So I think we, yeah. they haven't responded to our last one where I was literally just like, listen, you're conflating both arguments at this point. You're accusing me and ethnosynology of the same thing. And like, we're the ones being civil about this and you're the one that's not. Yeah. And going back. Basically like what, what was the term that uh, she ended up, she belittled me, which was fun. It was it basically equivalented me to like a, I don't even know what the proper word for it is. I'm definitely not going to say the word I'm thinking out on air. Yeah, but like, um, I, I don't recall. What is um, it, like a house slave or something like that? Basically, like I'm, <laughs> I'm an indigenous person know. that is brought up in academia and therefore I've been adopted into the group and I think like a white man now. I, I believe that's what she was in. Um, inferring. The person was inferring. Yeah. And this is where I, why I kind of wanted you to chime in is like, as a you know white male uh it's i don't doubt that you know western civilization has completely erased some of the ideas of native americans and things like that and we have like there's just an ongoing genocide however the how how would i say this lightly uh and by genocide i mean cultural genocide uh, it used to be, you know, another different one. The, I, it's hard for me to say like, you're wrong. Like I, I want to say, I understand, like, here's, I totally get your point, but I also like doing science outreach and trying to be as fair as possible. Cause I'm like very fair with megafaunal extinctions and climate and things like that. I try to present all of them if I can. This is the first time it's come up where I've just been like told, like I'm wrong and I'm doing, I'm part of the system. It, and and like, it was basically like, you're white, you can't talk. It wasn't anything to yeah. your credibility or your research. And she did the same with me when I was like, listen, this is how it is. It was basically like, no, you're in academia. You've been, you've been brainwashed and he's white. So he, and he, you can't talk. And it was just like, there, how? Yeah, therefore I'm wrong. And it's like, I, yeah, I can't say she's, this, this person's wrong or I'm wrong, you know? And it's. I just can say, here's the data that I saw. And I collaborated with, uh, you know, a good friend of mine on something that she spent years researching. Like, so therefore, you know, like we we, we try as, as trying as archeologists, I think in the, like, it's, it's certainly going in that direction. We're trying to incorporate indigenous knowledge in, and trying to help our interpretations of the archeological record. Like obviously Carlton, your thesis is like, you know, such a good example of that using using indigenous knowledge to look at the archaeological record and run hypotheses testing on that and so i understand where that like that the throwing under the rug thing you know is definitely something of the past 
Um, but I yeah. think, but I think we're trying to, as a discipline, move forward and you know incorporate indigenous knowledge into our research because they provide interesting ways to look at the past. Yeah, and um, like the, and I, the current president of the SAA Society of American Archaeologists is Joe Watkins, and he's indigenous, and he literally wrote the book on indigenous archaeology. And we have Emily and Van Alst on episode three, and she talked about hers. And there's and you can go to any department now, and there's a, there's at least one student there looking at indigenous archaeology or archaeology through an indigenous lens. Like we are so moved away from ni- the prior to 1991 when all of that was gone, and we don't see this much with other indigenous archaeologists. I mean, there's some exceptions, but like, it's, it's interesting because there's hundreds, I think there's, there's probably a couple, like a thousand or so, but there's definitely hundreds of indigenous archaeologists at this point, including TIPOs, tribal historic preservation officers, tribal archaeologists. And what's interesting is they're really silent during these times when these articles that are like, no, white Western science is wrong. So like people that come to mind is like this, this article that we were just talking about by, uh, Yvette running horse Collins. And then like another big person, big name is Paulette Steves does the same thing. And anytime indigenous people who are also archaeologists or anthropologists who don't agree with that immediately get side, like pushed to the level of, Oh no, you've just been brainwashed. Hmm. It's sticky. It's weird, yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's a yeah. hard, it's like, it's a line that like, I'm very well aware that I have to tell because, you know, it, 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 conversely, if I was doing this in my department, like saying, oh no, you're wrong because you're white, I would get, you know, pushed to the extremists. So like there's these two, it's kind of like today's political discourse where the extremes are being, are dominating the conversation and the yeah. moderates are being ostracized by both sides and, you know, becoming extreme because of that. So it's, it's. It's interesting. But David, no, I love that post and you did a really good job. It was definitely a great way to start my morning today, waking up to like those <laughs> comments where I was just like, oh no, you're just, you're just a little trained dog now. You just, you just bark when the archaeologists tell you to. And I'm just yeah. like, listen, go, go grow your organic spinach and just leave me alone. I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll do a post on, I was going to collaborate with Cassidy again on, uh, horses in the contact period, which is what she was looking at zoarchaeologically. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll do a post on the idea that they they were still around and I'll, I'll see what data I can find on that. Oh, you won't find any. Um, You'll find this thesis, which is like, I looked at a couple tribes that said they had horses. Let me tell you guys something. Yeah, we'll wrap for a break. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that out loud. Chris is telling us to wrap for a break because we're at the 19 minute mark. So let me just wrap it up. Oral traditions change often to incorporate new information. And sometimes we see, especially with horses, that horses get incorporated to some of these older stories when they didn't exist during then. So think like Canterbury Tales, I know that's a weird stretch, but like they talk about knights in Greece, but there weren't knights in Greece. Go read the Canterbury Tales. I mean, if you went through seventh grade English, you probably did it. But anyways, so uh, yeah, that was segment one. I think that went well. We'll be right back after uh, these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back. We are in episode 10 of a Life in Ruins podcast. I'm here with the the boys and Chris, who's uh, editing us up in the back there. Um, and we just finished our conversation about, um, or we were talking about indigenous knowledge and Western science and, um, how they kind of go together and also talking about, uh, you know, public outreach and science communication and kind of the difficulties with that. And David, did you just get like, are you up to like, how many followers are you up to these days? Uh, I'm officially at like 7,100 and some change right now. So those are 7,000 people that are, 
maybe archaeologists and might not be who are actively or are consuming some sort of bit of your content. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, I find the most interesting about my account is, uh, well, one, it went up like a thousand this week after Atore, Atore Maza. Name, oh, I'm sorry. He said Atore Maza is how you say his name. But he um, wait, is, came, he, is he Italian? Oh, yeah. He's super Italian. I thought he was uh, Japanese. No, because you thought his name was Hattori, like Hattori Hanza. Oh, and that's just not right. No, yeah, that's definitely not right. Hattori. But yeah, he made me that. So awesome- he likes the sub spaghetti. Yeah, so like back that up and don't do it again. So he um, made me that painting and I put it on like a little like the ad on Instagram and threw like 20 bucks at it and you can target it to like people who like dogs, people who like bushcraft, people who like just stuff that people would like and it blew up and it went all over and got shared everywhere and I got a bunch of followers from it. But uh, one of my most interesting things about my account is when I did those posts on shamanism and animism a while back. Uh, those posts went viral for some reason and to the top of the explore page. And I have a lot of like animists and, um, like pagan people that follow my account. Uh, and they message me quite a bit. I don't know if it's a lot or like, I can't see who exactly the numbers, but message me about account saying like, this is like one of the more interesting accounts I've seen. Cause you like, it's not just about, I'm selling like jewelry or something like that. You know, it's like, I'm giving a, an educational and constructive like topic or like discourse to something that isn't necessarily represented in a way. And that's cool because anthropology is a way of like, it incorporates all that. Right. And then I can like throw some dogs in there and throw some horses in there now. And like people really dig it and it's cool. But yeah, most of the, a lot of bushcraft people, a lot of uh, primitive technology people. It's cool. And I get like at least, I'd say 20 to 25 people that message me a week that I kind of have like a regular discourse with usually just like laughing at the memes or like some people are like, how's your day? And I'm like, ah, it's good. <laughs> so are, yeah, are, 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 in general, are these conversations that you're having, are they, are they like people being interested? Are they asking questions? I mean, how do these, how does this discourse actually go in those DMS of yours? Yeah. Um, so normally it starts by someone reacting to a story, like in a, like a heart face or a laugh face or saying LMAO. Uh, to something funny I posted and then it will turn into like just the kind of like a friendly like how's your day kind of thing like that and so that most of the time though it'll start with how did you get into this or like how do I do this I've never heard of ethnocynology and my answer to that is always like I mean I just make it up it's not like ethnocynology is a real thing but like I'm not the expert in the world on dog domestication and things like that. I just read about it. I'm really interested in it and I have anthropological training. So therefore I can like feel confident posting about things. And sometimes I'll throw some opinions in there, but I'm usually pretty good about saying if it's an opinion uh, and I'll cite it if it's like a fact. Um, But yeah, those conversations usually start like that and I'll try to point people in the right direction or like what kind of books should I read? What do I do go to school for? And I'll give them the spiel of like, like we were talking about with Damien that I went for history, then ended up doing anthropology things. So I might be getting off topic there, but it, I do really enjoy it. And people will always either tell me that they really like to post, especially with these horse posts. I've been getting nonstop DMS this week about like, Oh my God, these are great. And I was like, Oh sweet. Cause like people really like horses. So, and it's been fun. Uh, yeah. yeah I, mean, um, I mean, like it's, it seems super interesting because your, your page, you have, you obviously have citations, you have research that's put into this. Um, but there's maybe, I don't know if that would say more popular, but there's pages out there that are actively spreading information that has not been proven within 
the archaeological record or the um, or or any yes. hasn't proven at all. And it's 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 a breath of fresh air to see yours because I don't I don't normally see. I mean, I see some of it, but but not as mm-hmm. much well-researched kind of stuff that is on Instagram because you can say whatever you want on Instagram. That's the reality yeah. of the platform. And th- that's the dangerous thing to me is because like I try to cite, I probably a majority of the things I have on there are cited, but you can't put, I can only fit so much into a post, right? Like a couple hundred characters. And mm-hmm. then the spacing is weird. I have to add hashtags. And then like, I can't necessarily put a full like, so-and-so and so-and-so and so at all paper in the caption but i try my best to do it and i'll put it if it's like a hardcore fact that i don't necessarily agree with or like it's something i clearly didn't come up with like a number i'll try to put the little source right next next to the thing like you would in text citations uh but then instagram's weird about the parentheses and spacing and things like that but that what i'm saying is is dangerous is anybody can go on instagram and just take a picture of or steal something from pinterest right and then post about it and then just make anything up and say what they want. Now I and Mark, I got this from Mark at evolution soup. He's dope. You should check him out. It's evolution underscore soup always cites them. And what I was impressed with, with Mark's account was he always credits the artist, right? Some people will put Pinterest is the artist and like, that's just not right. If I find a po- picture on Pinterest and I can't find the artist, I try not to post it except that there were one I didn't was the one about, how dog and human arms are, you know, biologically different. I couldn't find the author for that, but it was from a medical textbook. I figured it was fine. But uh, the, the dangerous thing is people can say whatever. And then the, this account that I saw the other day, checking the explore page uh, and looking through other archaeology accounts, because if anyone doesn't know, the way to find archaeology accounts, and I got a message about this today, is just type in hashtag anthropology, type in hashtag archaeology uh, domestication whatever. right yeah yeah and and you'll you'll find at the top of that page like the current accounts that are trending and i'll look through there and i saw one on and i think it was a viral video the other day on reddit and stuff too uh these people moving like replicating how the moai are were have were moved into place so how the people of easter island the polynesian population would have moved the easter island heads and put them into place right and the only way i can explain this uh is essentially it's wobbling and there's three people there's three ropes attached to it and one group pulls one way another group pulls another and you're waddling it across a landscape and it eventually places into a hole where it was to be placed mm-hmm. um and the caption said and i'm going on a rant here now, Carlton's going to get triggered here, and I'd, let's talk about it. It says, this is how another theory of how the people on Easter Island could have moved the Moai statues. Do you think it's possible? Did they have, how did it say it? Do you think a seafaring civilization came and showed them how to do this, or maybe had extra help, and something like that? And Quote, that's unquote, a cool aliens. idea. Right. But that leaves the opportunity open for aliens and not only aliens, but that also leaves people to believe that aren't, you know, engaged in archaeology this often that white people are the only ones able to figure out how to build things. Right. And people on Easter Island being brown people who canoed to an island and ate rats had no idea how to do this. And that's just absurd because if you look at humans anywhere, we know how to do things and we like are so creative at getting into making new technologies and getting ourselves into trouble. Hashtag agriculture. But there's like, (laughs) it's just, it, it bothers me so much that 
it, ancient aliens and all these things like Mayans, how did they build these pyramids? It's too perfect. It's, it's actually, it's not like it, archeology span does a bunch of this. You, it, it, it's just because brown people built it, it. You're saying that they didn't. They surely couldn't have done it without European help. It's and the that's assumption just that thing. they're like they're that they don't wouldn't have the knowledge or study any of this stuff, even though they they've possibly been living in these areas for hundreds, thousands of years. You right. know, and that's and that's just that's that's crazy to assume that humans are not ingenious and can figure this stuff out. I mean, we've we've proven ourselves that we can be smart and dumb throughout our whole history. Like we have. Did that come out? Did that, that come? was just, that was Damn just it. noise. It was, the, it was the objection sound. Anyways, I'm trying to do soundboard and it's not, it's clearly not doing so hot right now. So. Did Carlton, did you see my, my, like, I guess vlogs on Instagram where I was going off? I think it was on Halloween. No, about that, that account. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, um, congrats once again, Mike and uh, Danielle Gray. What up? I don't even think they listen, but uh, yeah. But this episode comes out a month <laughs> from now. They'll be like, oh, right, we got married. Uh, yeah, I'm triggered. I mean, I hate that. I hate it so much. Like, the Colosseum was more complex, and the fact it's still standing and Roman concrete, but like, no one doubts the Romans did it. But like, you know, stacking bricks on top of one another, you know, it's freaking magic, apparently. Yeah, I think the one that started it was another one. The There was like the Moai statues that have uh, like they're angular looking, the big long faces like Squidward's house and SpongeBob with the little like square hat on it. And then there was something in Mexico City that looked just similar. And it was like, do you think there was evidence of a cross-cultural connection across the Pacific? And it's like, well... The more likely option is that people like to carve people and it's easy to carve people that are shitty and angular. And like, <laughs> it's like not to say that the Moai are shitty because they're a Marvel, but like, it's, it's not the Mona Lisa, you know? What's that so like, supposed to mean? It, yeah, what I'm better, saying is it's easy. Real quick. It's, yeah. It, it's easy to take like a carving and like make a, a, a small anthropomorphic face into it. Right. So it's, then, not, it's not abstract. It's not like something, you know, it's not Van. Well, you could say Van Gogh's doing starting night or whatever. It's not abstract. You know, you can get that art from looking at someone directly in front of you. You're not thinking about the cosmos or something. Mm-hmm. And I, what, what I mean by not the Mona Lisa is like, it's not like the Mona Lisa is very unique and it's like, it's, it's how a painting. Would I say this? Like I just yeah, fucked I'm, myself I'm up. I'm just trying to track. Yeah, it's, it's a, a painting. painting. Yeah, but like uh, shaping someone's face and making it kind of square, uh, and like it just an anth- There's only a few ways you can shape a human. Yeah, like, yeah, correctly, perfect you know? white woman painted so, by like, a white man, just like our producer just put in the comments. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Chris on this one. You took an interesting, exa- we might have interesting yeah. example here, so, David. Yeah, See, here's an example of like me being like, I didn't mean any ill intentions by that. What I'm saying is that it's, it's easy to carve like a, I don't know. How, do you guys see what I'm kind of yes, getting at I here? I do, but it's just so easy. Yeah. yeah okay. Now I'm, I'm fumbling my words, but I just need the picture up. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm digging myself a trench. Trench warfare up in this. Oh, the All walls right. are probably looking pretty good because you're an archaeologist. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Chris, Mona Lisa is an interesting example. A perfect white woman painted by a white man. Well, he was also a gay man, so we got that. The um, 
The uh, <laughs> just saying we representing the. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean me? you're representing? Uh, most textbooks aren't going to tell you that Da Vinci was gay, and it's good to give representation to. Oh, I thought you were saying like representing. I thought you were saying like representing my community. I'm like, is is this like an on on air coming out? <laughs> oh no, I'm sadly very straight. I've thought about it long and hard, but the oh my god, um, but the yeah. So I'm I get, I get you. I get what what saying, are we I get talking about? You're, okay, you're saying that it's easier yeah. to like draw anthropomorphic things because you have examples of it around you. It's much easier to do that. Mona Lisa yes. might have been a bad example because it's also sure. a, a person. But you, I don't know. I, think I, like, I get what you're saying. Um, it's, it's just way too easy to. Yeah. Right. The Mona Lisa has like detail and shadows and lighting, and there's like a Tuscan background behind it, right? Whereas the Moai statues and this figurine that was found in, in Mexico City, it's just like, it's like a doll, right? Like, I guess the one in Mexico City was about that size. But it, I don't even remember what the point of it was. I'm just defending something wrong here. But the point being, it, it doesn't mean that it, these civilizations were connected and communicating and teaching each other how to make the same figurines, right? It just means that it, it's people like to carve humans out of objects. Well, it's also like rock um, art throughout the world. I mean, the the shapes are similar because, I mean, they're, they're just carving anthropo. I mean, there's only so many ways you can make a human. Two legs, two arms, a head, a torso. Sometimes, you know, maybe a third leg. Yes. Yeah. They get a little extracurricular sometimes. Um. (laughs) So to, 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 to backtrack that happened, I went on a whole, like trying to do more vlogs and show my face. My friends like, you got to show your personality more on your account. And I was like, fine. So I just went around my house in different like spots of my house and was talking about how, while I think Graham Hancock has well intentions, I think people like Graham Hancock are dangerous to archaeology because, not because they're presenting a different view. That's fine. Present all the side views you want. But when they start saying that people that I've worked with are hiding the truth and things like that, it it creates a distrust in science and it makes people think, well, archaeologists don't want me to believe this and there's a camp for this and a camp for that. And therefore, this guy's not an archaeologist and doesn't have degrees and isn't in debt like this person said that he probably might be right. He's uncovering the truth. And it's like, no. And I was throwing all these like papers, all the things saying like, look at all this scientific research. When you have 90% of scientific research saying one thing, and then one site comes out and says something different and it's all over the news and like ESPN, which I'm hashtag security mastodon site. It doesn't change history. Right. But when it's the one headline on Reddit, you've seen about archeology span in three years people are like, Oh, that's crazy. Well, when I was in archeology span class, they told me the people were here 10,000 years ago. They were wrong, idiot. And it's like, no, they weren't wrong. It's just like, there's a new theory that has little evidence to support it, but it gets blown up all over the news. So doing science communication, there's not really like science communication for dummies out there yet, you know? And like me and Amy and all these people that are doing this are kind of like, doing their own thing and have Steve Irwin and Bill Nye to like follow along with, like, I guess that's what they did. So I, I don't know. Not you guys are definitely like Steve Irwin. RIP. No, you guys are definitely like pioneering this communication because especially in like the anthropology and paleontology field, I, I'm not sure I could be wrong. Amy's probably, if she's out there, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that that's it. This is done before, especially on a platform like Instagram, a platform like Twitter, you know, it's not, so it's, <laughs> I mean, Bill Nye's shows are different because you have a guy who is doing science experiments somewhere, 
but he's also but you're trying to explain but trying to explain abstract anthropological and archaeological theories through Instagram is also much different and much more I wouldn't say more difficult but it's different than um what they were doing you know so you guys really don't I mean you have people who who um pioneer this stuff and we were trying to change this up but Pioneers used to ride these babies for miles. Hashtag SpongeBob. Let's go to the next segment. <laughs> segment. Segment. It's not a rock. It's a Such boulder. A, let's let's <laughs> season one. SpongeBob. Nineteen ninety eight. Two thousand two. I don't know. Next segment, Chris. <laughs> Welcome back to segment three of a Life and Ruins podcast, episode ten. Are we at episode eleven? I can't remember. Episode 10. To, we're going to talk about something that Carlton wanted to talk. I don't, I don't know. Carlton. <laughs> Thanks, NPR. Typical, stereotypical I NPR guess. voice. <laughs> so, two things. One, Today, we're going to talk gosh. about gender binaries among cabbage. <laughs> that's literally like topics they have on there. At least that's what like Fox News says we talk about. So. They, not we. They. Carlton. <laughs> yep. Um, so one thing, back to Graham Hancock, there's a monetary reason for the shit he posts, stuff he posts. So everyone should keep that in mind. He, is, he says things to sell bucks. And then two, it is a big problem in the sciences where the one fringe article gets all the press and all the defense and the 99.99% of research that's against it is vilified. So that's what happened with... Me and David with that Instagram thing where that one thesis can totally change this girl's world, this person's worldview. And anything me and David said was just anti-Indigenous knowledge, which is ridiculous. And then Graham Hyatt Hancock, same way. He's really good at talking to people. So Sidecom is really important. Um, also, fun, fun life events happening in the Life and Ruin podcast. Uh, Connor is engaged. Woo woo. Sorry, wah, ladies. Wah. Yeah, the most handsome man out of the three of us is taken. Damn, I don't think that. I think our poll got you as a handsome man. No, 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 no. I got the bad boy. Oh, no, David. You did. got. Oh, no, David. David. David's poll. What did David get? I think. It I was, think mine said delete his Instagram. What's <laughs> <remember. laughs> well, not called? I don't, Hobbit. I don't, I don't remember what it was. Us. As, but thank you. Thank you. I'm engaged to a lovely lady who doesn't listen to this podcast. She's so. uh, more than lovely. She's amazing. Her name yeah. is. Should we say her name on the air? I don't know what the what mm. her opinions are of being online. Well, she doesn't listen to it, so just go ahead. <laughs> She's great. Uh, um, what was I going to say? Uh, what was the life event? You said interesting life events. I had another one in mind. No, I was just saying a life event, like just oh. telling our listeners that Connor's off the market and is marrying a very amazing woman. Oh, right. Yeah. In all of graduate school, I would be like, yeah, this is my friend Connor. Or something like that. And they're like, oh, I've seen pictures of him. And I was like, yeah, of course you have. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable. Take off his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your friend? Wow. Wow. This is fun. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, um, did we, did we mention this? Head. Did we mention this last time about the plans conference, Carlton? Don't I uh, we mentioned that on Instagram, but we didn't mention it on air. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you uh, you did a little winning something here? 
I did. So like an <laughs> asshole, I told everyone live recorded that I was going to sweep the awards. I did not, but I did take one home and it was a really cool. I didn't realize I had been submitted for it. My advisor, Dr. Bamforth submitted me for an award and like they two things. A, it wasn't like, so they're like, so now it's time for the native American student award. We only had one applicant this year. That's how she prefaced it. And I was like, that's a weird way to preface it. And so uh, we'd like to congratulate her. They're like, so we'll bring up the the committee head for Native American, blah, 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 blah. So he comes up and he's like, yeah, we only got one applicant. However, this was the most competitive app, one of the most competitive applications we've ever seen. His advisor wrote glowing reviews and this kid's going somewhere. And I was like, oh, this guy sounds like an interesting cat. I should talk to him. And they're just like, Carlton, go over, get up here. And I was like, oh boy, that's my name. <laughs> and I walked up there, got my award got a nice fat check and then Doug told me he was proud and I was brought to tears because I was like, wow, I'm not, I'm not a failure, not in his eyes. So that was a cool moment. Having, having Doug's recognition that I'm not a total fucking waste of time was more important than getting the award itself. Cause that man puts up with a lot of, uh, if you think I'm intense on this podcast, this is 24 seven, ladies and gentlemen, like this is, this is not, that's the sound of Carlton blowing his own didgeridoo. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, I will say, I, I will yeah, say stop. having your advisor say something remotely nice about you is like, especially when you're in the stress of grad school can be like life saving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. Is. I'm just happy when my, uh, my, no, doc, was- uh, my thesis advisor would remember my name and, or my project. So, you know, getting, saying something nice about you is a total win. <laughs> It was great. No, it was it was a fun time. Uh, the other two, the students who won the paper and poster did excellent work. I'm super stoked that they won. They deserve to win. It was really good research. But Carlton, hot, you, you, it was, you did, we're proud of you, man. You won that yeah, award. And like, man. it's a brilliant piece of work that you did, you know? Yeah. So it was a good time. It was a good dinner. Tim Pocketot spoke. He had some really cool research. I had a hot Pocketot date. was there. Yeah, he was, our, he was our speaker. Had a hot date. That was fun. Way to objectify and, and she was, um, Jesus, dude. <laughs> well, now, now, now this is my moment. God. Okay. Anyways. So yeah, yeah Plains was, was great. Mona Lisa? Plains was, um, Plains was good. And then I left from Plains to go down to Pawnee, Oklahoma. And then I presented my research in front of the nation, which was the most, I've never been more terrified of giving a talk in my life because it was like, let me tell you people, my people, about my research about us. And I thought I was going to be, you know, scalped and like thrown in a dumpster like this idiot. Okay. So back that up and, and don't say like, that again. And they were like, and they liked it. They actually really liked it. And then they recorded it and I didn't know they were recording it or else I would have wore something nicer. And, uh, and then they put it on the Pawnee nation website and I was really humbled that they liked it. A lot of people came up and talked to me. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. And they and they want to collaborate. They're like, hey, what do you know about this? So now I'm I'm kind of realizing that I've moved into the that area in the nation. Like he knows what he's talking about. And so like people came up and talked. It was a good time. It was it, yeah. And I got a dance. I was I it was a whole thing. It was a cold, it was a really weird weekend of like academic presentations, posters, and being that professional side, and then going down to Pawnee, Oklahoma and getting back with my tribal nation and like doing the dances. Um, engaging I all don't that. I think and, you uh, had mentioned before you went that you were going to Oklahoma too. So I thought when you were at the conference 
Then you randomly sent, hey guys, I'm on Indian time, which you spelled N-D-N. Here's literally that. And then there was just, a, you sent us three random pictures of you with a bunch of indigenous people like dressed up in your traditional clothing. And I was like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> like I thought there was just like, <laughs> how did you just time Yeah, and there was like, there was like, there was no like, contact <laughs> in between there either. So it was like, Carlton was like radio silence and then he shows up in Pawnee, Oklahoma and you're just like, what <laughs> is going on? <laughs> No, it was, we were trying to make a, we're trying to meet for the podcast to plan it out. And you said, I'm not even in Boulder yet. I'm on Indian time. (laughs) And I was like, I don't even know how to suss that one out. I'm just going to ignore it. (laughs) Yeah. So so flew to Indiana, flew down to Oklahoma. And then Sunday I drove back with my cousin back to Boulder. And my cousin lives in uh, Lafayette here in Colorado. You left that detail out too. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we drove back and it was a good time. Cause he, he's, he's the one that's been, I wanted, so for my listeners, like I want, I wanted to learn how to dance again to uh traditional, you know, Pawnee dance. So Southern straight style. And so like him and his wife and my other cousins and brothers have been like extremely supportive and helped me out. Cause I did it a bit when I was little, but then I grew up in Northern Virginia. It's a whole thing. So I'm getting my outfit together. So I went down to dance for the first time and reintroduced myself to the nation. Cause I didn't grow up in Oklahoma, but I've always been a part of it. Drove back with my cousin for like 10 hours. It was amazing because we just, he's older, much older than I am. So we got to talk about a lot of stuff. Stopped by the Sand Creek Massacre National Park on the way back, which was a cool moment. And then, yeah, I got back to Boulder. So it was like a really busy couple days. And that's just kind of been my life this semester, I feel like. Like every month I'm doing something nuts. Yeah, that's a little like, bit of being like a PhD student, though. I like feel like as a master's student, you know, <laughs> you know, you do some stuff, but like a PhD student, you're expected to represent Boulder, do your thing. Let the record show. Uh, a couple months ago, I was skyping with Carlton about doing this podcast. This was before we started, and you were like, "I was like, what are you up to today?" And you're like, oh, I "Played Red Dead all day." And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Do you not have like, you know, PhDing to do? And you're like, no, this shit's easy, dude. Like, it's fine. I'm playing Red Dead. And I was like thinking out loud, like either Carlson's a genius or he really doesn't understand the full scope of what he's gotten himself into. And then last week when I Skyped Carlton to have a meeting with Connor, Connor, I think you weren't on yet. Carlton slams his head on the table and I said, you okay? And he's like, oh. PhD stuff, dude. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Here's the sweet victory in which I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I feel for you, man. It, school sucks. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's been fun. fun. I, all of this extra stuff is like what's gotten me because it's like I'm doing my, uh, my master's thesis tour because um, a lot of people heard about it and they want me to talk. So like I, like an idiot, was like, I can do a talk a month. But like, not like a talk a month in Colorado where I can be back in time. It's like, you know, next month I go, I have to drive to Kansas to the Pawnee um, State Historic Site and give a talk there. And yeah, like I'm just, I don't know. It was like the same thing with Ukraine. It's like, I'll just spend six and a half weeks in Ukraine and come back the day before school starts. That sounds reasonable. (laughs) Like, so I plan these things in event of time and then I like do them. And then I forget like, oh, right. I'm also taking 10 credit hours of PhD courses and teaching a class. And like, where, where's the time? And it's like, right in the past at this point. 
So it's been fun. Like I don't regret it, but like, well, and you're also doing like and, a podcast every two weeks too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> then we were like a couple months ago. We should do two episodes a month. And then, <laughs> yeah. Well, after we realized, like we said, I agreed to doing that. I was like, oh yeah, I did promise that guy I'd write three chapters for a book we're writing together by December. I totally forgot about that. Got to do that, Brian. If you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, I'll get that. I'll get that together. No, but uh, you mentioned, what? Yeah. no, it's it's been manageable. Like it's not it's not bad. I just let myself. It, it's just like I don't have a. I usually don't have days off anymore. So that will that will get to me. And like when I was gone for that wedding, I was gone for like three days and don't came back. Like, me. You love yeah. what you do. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I know, right? So, but it's 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 been fruitful. It's a fruitful experience. I enjoy it. I get to travel a lot more. People seem to like me and what I research, except on Instagram. But uh, how's uh, how's your uh, mental you know. health been holding up? Because I know, like, um, Amy, as Amy mentioned, you know, as you go through these grad school and stress, do you feel yourself falling, going up and down through that? Well, I still go. I, I go to Caps every week. Caps is counseling and psychiatric services here at Boulder, which that is free. Yeah. Cap, no, it's Cap. like yeah, it, it's oh, like no, right. Figured yeah, S. yeah, I'm smart. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I still go once a week. I go for an hour, and it's good. Like I have a good support system. Like I have this. This keep this podcast keeps me sane. Um, awesome. So I have this, and then I have a good like I, I yeah. Last year, last year was just a weird year for me, and but this year it's much better, much more. Like there's, I've gotten to know the other grad students a lot more. We hang out. I'm traveling a lot. I have you guys. Yeah, you're like in, a, and, in the uh, city. So, you know, yeah, you start making friends. Otherwise, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think. Yeah. And plus, like, I'm still riding high on. Jill smoke. <laughs> no, I was I, I was talking over Connor. I didn't no, want no, to. No, I, was, I was just saying, I think I think it's interesting. I don't know if, David, you feel the same way. But after graduating with your master's, there's this weird stage in your life where you just. I've said this before, you stay over the abyss and try to figure out what the next step is because in school you're going through. Yeah. I spent six months of it laying on my parents' couch being like, uh, what do I do now? (laughs) (laughs) Stay at friends' houses, dude. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's an abyss for sure. I lucked out. Yeah. And I love, oh yeah, I forgot. I love my job and I love doing what I do, but being in the same place five days a week for, you know, 52 weeks. It's just, it's, it's kind of crazy. Cause you just like, like in Carlton, you were mentioning like the, the PhD life, the master's life, you're kind of going around doing stuff. You're kind of always busy, but now I have to like, think yeah. about my thoughts, acknowledge my feelings. <laughs> it's almost like changing from a, a very mobile lifestyle to a sedentary lifestyle might've been a bad idea for humans. Hashtag agriculture. Greeny boy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because after what is it? After you guys get it, I called it back to earlier in the podcast when I said hashtag agriculture. Yeah, dude, it was good. That was good. Yeah, yeah agriculture sucks because then you get taxes, then you get the bow and arrow, and it just goes downhill. Arthritis, osteoporosis, like it's not a fun time. Agriculture sucks. Fuck agriculture. Screw agriculture. Yeah. Um, we have cussed way less on this episode, by the way. Uh, I think it's all been you. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I miss giving lectures. That's my favorite part about school. Was just like riffing giving lectures but i i need to find out ways to do that again is rich still teaching at csu uh, yeah I think so. come to boulder dude come give a talk at boulder and we'll go hang out oh yeah he's at wyoming now and plus uh, yeah. you have to come to boulder anyways to do your campus interview because you're applying here 
Oh God! He's uh, announcing maybe. it on air. By the way, this is his formal yeah, announcement. Yeah, we're just letting you know that David. Yeah, this is his formal. I already announcement. Anou- I already came out as straight today, guys. I don't know. If I could. <laughs> another big one like that um can i come give a lecture there in february can you can you have me come to give a dog domestication lecture yeah totally cool. all right i'm in charge uh, of that stuff i'm the president of the whatever anthro grad student bs that we have here i can i can make anything happen you want a reception like i can add a reception to your talk you can make it gluten-free i'm in it's boulder of course it's gluten-free <laughs> vegan yeah, all we eat here is is, is kelp oh. It's I do it's have vegan, it's natural, there's no gluten. Yeah. Uh, I have been vegetarian for two months now. I Get just decided to try it. fuck off the pot. I kind of dig it. I should say pescatarian. I had shrimp twice. One, because my mom put it in soup when she, I was having surgery that time, and she was like, oh, I didn't know you weren't eating it. And I was like, well, it's meat. <laughs> right, well, shout, but I apparently pescatarian. I would say shout out to my uh, fiance. She's a uh, vegan. And uh, she keeps me skinny, so I appreciate that. I don't know how you feel, David. Do you feel good being a vegetarian? Uh, I have a lot of, this is weird to say on Archaeology Podcast, a lot of GI issues that are now like uh, uh, totally fixed. So it might just be psychosomatic. I don't know, but I, I feel good. I also feel better that I'm not just like eating slaughtered beef. <laughs> Humans uh, have never done that. Anyway, well, I think we're off topic here. But yeah. So, you know, you know, I'll, I'll announce this. I'll go, I'll go, uh, I'll go vegetarian. Hey, you, you, you're gonna go vegetarian I'll, for now. I'll, I'll go vegetarian. We'll see. We'll just track the prod, the the prog, uh, the pro. I can't talk. We will track the progress of my vegetarianism on uh, every episode from now on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just do that. It's cool, man. Instead of going home and like cooking chicken and then making a salad, I just make the salad. It's easier. <laughs> One one exception though, if, it, if it's hunted meat, because I have hunted meat, oh. so I'll 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 so if it's it has to be killed by but yeah, so if it's hunted, I, I live very close to a nuclear plant. I'm not hunting stuff around here. Yeah, so <laughs> meat's off the table, boys. Until, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, how are we? How are we going to end this? I think we got we got a few more. What, what, what did we learn today? Uh, this was a South Park episode. That's right. Hashtag agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you're talking about being vegetarian, hashtag agriculture sucks. You can you can you can forage tomatoes, right? No, it's like nightshade. What's up? Isn't is aren't tomatoes a kind of nightshade? You know who we should ask? We should ask the girl that roasted us the on Instagram. Inca? She would know. <laughs> Feel free to write us at Elections and Ruins Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. Fun Please f- give us reviews. Like, send us reviews on iTunes. You got some good ones. You're going to ask them to review us after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how much you hate us. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram at a Life and Ruins Podcast. Follow David's Ethnosynology. Connor's is spiral underscore J. Uh, spiral style. out underscore CJ. <laughs> CJ Stout? Is that, my, is that my beer that I make? <laughs> CJ Stout. And then mine is Pawnee underscore archaeologist. So you should follow those. We do good stuff. We had some good stories last week when I when I did that thing where I asked the, the audience about stuff. That was really specific. But it was a good story. Good good story, bro. And on uh, that amazing story, cool story we're going to end this beautiful podcast. Oh, oh, boys, boys, boys. If you could live a rife, life in ruins, would you do it again? Uh, I'd probably be an accountant. If I'm <laughs> I was going to put a more lucrative. Be a hard no on that one. <laughs> I was going to say I would be in marketing. Like. <laughs>
<laughs> I'd probably do zoology and I'd eat gluey as poor and sad. So I love how we get to episode 10 before we ask that ourselves. We had nine guests. We're like, yeah, of course we do it. And we get to us three like, no. <laughs> okay. So, uh, oh my God. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks listeners. Follow us. And, uh, yeah, that was a horrible, ed- uh, just take Connor take it from here. God damn it. Language, dude. <laughs> you tried. You tried zero effort today. All right, Carly, I'm Connor. going vegetarian. Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins podcast, and you can also email us at a Life in Ruins podcast at gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. Boys, gentlemen of the podcast, what song Concrete. What song did some Paleo-Indian groups sing after they broke their points trying to flu them? Uh, I kind of want to think about this. After they broke their points trying to flu it. So, I don't know. Mm. I want to say to the left, to the left, but that is so wrong. <laughs> Uh, Hard in the paint by Waka Flocka. What is it, Connor? Folsom Point Blues. <laughs> like Folsom Prison. Uh, that's a good no, one. No, it's not. Yeah, that's I'm a good a, one. I like it. I, I like it. I like that. Some, I'm a huge. I'm a huge Johnny Cash fan. I'm gonna put that on my wall. I wrote some lyrics. Did you? Okay, you have to tell us the lyrics. <sighs> I hear the mammoth coming, it's rolling down the bend, and I ain't seen a church source since I don't know when. I'm stuck without in a fulsome prison without a single point. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Connor, so much. Okay. All right, everybody. Uh, we're out. We're out. Cut it. Cut it, Chris. We're good. show is produced by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.